For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Let everyone that believes say, The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Well, you look in the Psalms, just look up those phrases The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. I pray that we all get a, a, a fresh look and light and revelation on the goodness of the Lord and the mercy of the Lord. You ever think about having faith in the goodness of God? God is a good God. Psalm 119 verse 68 says, You are, do, you are good and you do good. One translation says, you are good and you do only good. That means it is good. <laughs> that means if God is doing it, it is good. That means everything that God does is good because God is a good God. God is a good God. Well, if you don't understand uh, the character of God, you're going to have a hard time receiving the things that he has said. Because you may think that he deals with you more based on you than he does based on Jesus. In other words, he's looking for you to do everything right and then you get rewarded. Like training a dog. You know, you smack the newspaper because it doesn't hurt him, but it makes a sound. If you have to retrain a dog, it's even harder than training a dog. <laughs> Think about children. So, train them right the first time. But God is a good God. And that, this, that's not an insignificant issue. It's probably one of the most significant uh, things of faith to understand is that God is good. So, you know, do you think that you are better than God? Or let me say it a different way. Do you think you are gooder than God? Most people would say, no, I don't think I'm gooder than God because that's improper English and also I don't think that. <laughs> okay. But my question is, do you think that? You know, Jesus said if an earthly father knows how to do what kind of things? For who? His children. How much more does your heavenly father know? So he's saying, like, even if an earthly father as ignorant as you <laughs> could figure out, well, this would be a good thing for my children, but this would be a bad thing. How much more does the perfect father know how to do that? How much more could he do good things? And does he desire to do good things? Well, interesting, if you don't understand or don't know, rather, that God is good...
even the, 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 the words, he desires to do good things, kind of has a foundation in your understanding of the goodness of God. She said, what kind of things does God, well, God likes to do good things. Well, what's a good thing? What's a good thing to do? Forgiveness is a great good thing to do. What about healing? So healing, kind of uh, finances, healing, we, we, we interact with some of these things uh, sometimes on a frequent basis, <laughs> you know. And um, I notice as people age, the subject of divine healing becomes more important to them. You might as well learn how to receive now, whatever age you are. And, uh, but God's a good God. And so, and his desire is to do good for you because he is good. And so if it would be a good thing for you to be healthy, then God desires to do that for you. You say, well, but how, how do I know? Well, the way you find out is you look at what he says in his word. And um, I think it's uh, Acts 1-8, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So you see, God is a good God. And he does good things. And the word just told us that healing is one of those good things that Jesus was anointed to do. Well, when you receive Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, you are born, what the Bible calls, what Jesus called born again or born from above. What happens? Well, every person alive is a three-part being. You have a spirit, which you can't see. You have a body, which you can see. And you have a mind which you can't see. Mind is your will, your emotion, your reasoning abilities. So you're kind of like a three-part being. And uh, your mind doesn't get changed when you're born again. That comes through being transformed by feeding on the Word, meditating on the Word. All of a sudden, your thoughts in your mind begin to change. You ever, like, read the Word sought the Lord about something and inside what's that scripture I just read that scripture about your spirit turning flips there's actually a scripture that says that. I never knew there was a scripture that said that but I ran across it this last week or something did I tell you about it okay anyhow um, <clears throat> I guess you should ask the Lord <laughs> Lord remind me what that scripture was <laughs> and so um, spirits turning flips you know but your mind is like what 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 you know you're getting something from the Lord, but you can't even describe it because you're kind of like, your mind is trying to grab it, but it's like slippery something. You're like, I can't, I can't form words that describe what I have happening on the inside right now. There's something happening on the inside that words can't express. Uh, I remember for... Uh, uh, a few years, I, I had that happen in the arena of prayer. And so I would pray, and when I would uh, 
go to the Lord in prayer, it seemed like I needed to pray something else, but I couldn't find the words to pray. It seemed like I needed to say something else, but I couldn't find the words to say. And uh, I just had like this pull, like a Star Trek tractor beam. <laughs> you know, like, like pulling on the inside, like there's something. And I was hungry and I was thirsty, spiritually hungry, spiritually thirsty. And uh, what happened is, um, to make a long story short, I got filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And I was like, oh, this is why my mind couldn't come up with the things to say. Because this was beyond the ability of my mind to produce. And so my natural uh, inclination was to like, pick apart and analyze. So when I began to, I was filled with the Spirit, began to pray in other tongues, I get alone in my apartment and um, I begin to analyze the words that I was speaking. You hear the sounds, so you write the sounds out or whatever. I didn't do too much of the writing out, but what I would do is I would sit there and I would pray in other tongues. I'd yield my, well, I didn't know I was doing it. I was trying to find out if I was doing this, but in hindsight, I was yielding my spirit, my tongue to the spirit of the Lord, and I would speak the things that, the words that were given. And um, so then I would stop, and I would hear those words after I said them, and I would say, I just made that up. <laughs> and I thought about it, and I was like, you know, because I could hear the sounds I had made, and so I would think back on those sounds that I heard come out of my mouth. I thought, no, I no, I didn't think about that ahead of time. How would I ever thought of that? I never heard of that sound before. So I went through this for like two hours until I was convinced, this is not from me, but it's coming out of my mouth. Well, you're trying to describe a spiritual thing in natural terms. How, how can you do that? It can be very difficult sometimes. It's a, it's a spiritual thing. In fact, uh, in uh, second, uh, first, uh, was it? first Corinthians chapter two, Paul said two and three, these are spiritual things and they're only discerned or understood spiritually. So you're not gonna, you won't understand it with your natural mind. Now when your mind is totally transformed, when I say totally, in each particular area, it's not like my mind is not totally transformed. But in so many areas where I used to have so many thoughts that were capped and limited by natural reasoning, so many of those caps that were there or those limitations that were there, man, I, I started feeding on the Word of God and one by one, those are getting blown off. Boom, boom, boom. So now I don't have those natural limitations where I, I would hear something and I would, you know, sometimes you actually, I work with my kids sometimes because they'll, um, if I'm going to discipline them, you know, I might be like, come on now. And they're not like Brandon is right now. He's really limber and soft. They like <laughs> stiffen up, you know. And you're like, and they're like, I forgave him. And I'm like, no, you didn't. I just had this happen this week. I said, no, you didn't. Because I'm hugging you right now. And I can feel you're like, I forgave him. <laughs> you're like, everything with your, every part of your being you can find, you're resisting right now. 
So it shows up or it comes out, it manifests in a physical, um, a physical way. And so you don't have to have the Spirit of the Lord to even know you haven't forgiven. <laughs> it's like when you're, you're talking to your kids and they're like, Daddy, Daddy, you're mad. No, I'm not. Oh. <laughs> well, I, well, maybe, I, I don't know. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess I was. You know, it came out your mouth. It came out in a physical way. You could actually, you know. Again, you don't have to be that smart to figure that out. You could just listen. <laughs> you figure that out. And um, so when you don't let the goodness of God sink into your heart, it will affect your acts of faith. And um, uh, look at that. It's a little airplane made out of a gum wrapper. I'm going to keep that. That's for one of the kids, and that's special. So, if you think, like, the Lord sees you in church make an airplane out of a gum wrapper <laughs> and gets mad at you, obviously you're not going to receive today because you were distracted making an airplane out of a gum wrapper. The Lord saw you do that. Nobody else saw. It showed up in the pastor's message because you forgot it and left it on the ground. But you surely will not receive today because you were distracted. You don't understand the heart of God. His goodness is exceeds. His grace goes far beyond our ability to mess up. Is His goodness. Let's look at Ephesians 2.8. We're going to get 2 Corinthians 4.13, I believe, but let's go to Ephesians 2.8. Okay, Ephesians happens to be after Corinthians. Ephesians 2.8. Let me, let me tell you how you were saved, if you were ever saved, if you've given your life to the Lord. For by grace... Are you saved through faith? How you get saved? It's by grace through faith. It's by grace through faith. But if you say like, well, I was saved by grace, in other words, just something only God could do, a gift only God could give. And I, I access that by my faith. Well, what do you mean by my faith? It just says, by faith there. It doesn't say, by your faith. It says, by faith. Uh, Romans 3.22 says that the righteousness of God came by the faith of Jesus Christ. Not your faith, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Unto all. And upon all. Who believe so interesting like even being right with God you know so you don't have to live feeling like uh, God's upset at you he's just waiting for you to you know got a big old fly swatter he's waiting for you to mess up you know he's gonna get you that's not the heart of God God is a good God 
He's not looking for an opportunity to smack you down. He's looking for an opportunity to raise you up. He's looking for an opportunity to help you. He's looking for you to just give him one little sliver of your time, of your thought, of your effort, and just say, Lord, I want to I'm going to give this to you. I want to see what you can do. And he wants to then take that little, I don't know, you might think it's small because among 5,000, what is a couple loaves and a few fishes? But he just wants to take your couple loaves and a few fishes when you have a faith like a child, like, I don't know. All the adults say, this is not possible. That man is crazy. There's no way all these people will be fed. Do you know how much my wife eats? <laughs> I mean, how much I eat? <laughs> but that little child, knowing how much mama eats, I'm just picking on her, I love her. It's like nothing's impossible. He's the Lord. Here, you just take the little that I have. And when you just give him the little, what you think is so little, God works through seeds. He just wants a little seed. He'll give you a little seed. And he said, you know what, if you had faith, and it was, I wish I had a mustard seed here, but you probably couldn't see it. So it's so small. If you had faith like as a mustard seed, just, you know, people are like, oh, that's an amazing amount of faith. Oh, my gosh, look at all that faith. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Just a little mustard seed of faith will do you. So in Romans 3.22, we find like we learn that actually the way we're, we were favored of God and brought into his good graces and that, that he looked at us and said, oh, that'll more than do, that, that's more than enough, was by Jesus Christ and by the faith of Jesus Christ. So what I'm telling you is what the word says is the way you were made right with God was by a work that Jesus did. It was by the faith that Jesus demonstrated, exercised, and authored. He is the author of faith. Sometimes I can say the author of your faith. That's not accurate. Look it up. He's the author of faith and the finisher of faith. In other words, all faith is of him and from him and by him and through him. And I would add with him. And if you want your faith or that faith to come to completion, you're going to have to remain with him. So that righteousness which comes from God was by the faith of Jesus Christ to every person who has lived on the earth or who will live on the earth. And it was upon all them that believed that. Believe what? Believe that Jesus Faith did the work. So our faith is actually to be in Him, in what He did. So it is by grace, Ephesians, back to Ephesians 2, 8, it is by grace, thank God for grace, the grace of God. Amen. It is by the grace of God that you have been saved. 
and that came through faith. Well, is what I'm saying scriptural? Well, let's read the second half of that verse of Ephesians 2.8. And that not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. Our boasting should be in the Lord. Not look what I have done, look what I have believed, look what God has done, look who God is. He's a good God. He is so good that he set it up so if I do it the way he said it, I enter into rest, Hebrews chapter 4, and I get no credit. He gets all the credit, so I'm giving the glory to him. Why? Well, it's a little dangerous to take glory to yourself. Pride goes before a fall and destruction. You're in dangerous territory there. So, God is a good God. And everything he does is in that category called good. And uh, it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, or it is the grace of God. So if you think of the life of Joseph, I'll pick up the airplane. I was trying to do the pen, but then Jeremy says, that clicking goes through the microphone. So you think of the life of Joseph, you know, one of many children, but he had a dream. He didn't come up with a dream. God gave him a dream. And when he told his brothers about the dream, they weren't as excited as he was. <laughs> Why weren't they as excited? Well, spiritual things can only be understood spiritually. They were not spiritual people. So they looked at what he said after the flesh. They didn't see the provision of God, the hand of God, and the plan of God. They looked at it like a natural man looks and said, obviously, this is for the sake of competition. Obviously, this is pride. Because pride, you know, if you want to have a, my best definition of pride is it, to show oneself above others. So they're like, hey, you're just trying to show yourself above, above us. Well, there's nothing that can get pride to show out like reaction to other pride. You're going to say you're better than me? I'll show you how much better I am than you. You know, sometimes they used to have like a, what they call testimony services in churches. <laughs> but people would just get a little confused. Instead of testifying what the Lord has done, they would end up testifying what the devil has done. And they said, well, listen, the devil that got me was bigger than the devil that got you. Let me tell you. <laughs> <sighs> that's, 
There is so much revelation in this room right now, it's hard to pick and choose which one to say. <laughs> Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's such liberty and such freedom. So, I'm not really trying to pick and choose, I just try to follow the way the Lord leads. <laughs> so, this pride, they're looking at after, looking at this dream after natural things. But it was actually a spiritual experience. You know, they, they, they thought, well, Joseph, you obviously went to the psychologists, you know, maybe they went to the psychologists. Psychologists said, you know, dreams are really just the things you really want to do playing out and your mind's trying to process all that information. Well, it can be that many times, you know. Most dreams you have are not spiritual. So they're thinking like this, you know. They're like, I learned this in psychology class. You're just trying to project what you really want, which is all of us bowing down to you. So Joseph had a lot of troubles, yet God gave him a dream. And he had all these troubles. And so he's going through all of this. And it seemed like every time he turns around, something is happening to stop the dream, to make the dream impossible. But God gave him the dream. The dream was from God. But it seemed like every time people got involved, <laughs> the dream seems like they, it's not ever going to happen. It can't possibly happen. Who's going to put a prisoner over the whole nation? So somebody might look at that and say like, but look at Joseph. Look at the faith of Joseph that through all of that, he just believed God. He just believed what God spoke to him in the dream, what God showed him in the dream. Well, that's one way to look at it. But, but what about the other way? What other way? I heard you thought. <laughs> the other way, look at the goodness of God. No matter what people did to him, God always made a way. All he had to do was keep trusting the Lord. Keep following the Lord. Look at the goodness of the Lord. You know, uh, I don't know, some people... The Lord uses, um, praise the Lord. The Lord uses different people to speak into your life. And it's important that you honor those, um, those that have a uh, continual ability to feed you from the Lord, to be used of the Lord to supply, to bring a supply to you. People say a lot of interesting things, a lot of scriptural things, a lot of biblical things, you know, different people, hopefully, <laughs> that you're listening to. You really got to pay attention to who you're listening to. Maybe somebody's not the most exciting to listen to, but, man, you hear from God when you're sitting under their ministry. That's important to understand and identify those. And then don't let, um, don't let other uh, people's opinions uh, distract you from that. Obviously, if they're 
ungodly, doing ungodly things. It's not scriptural. That's a, a different thing. But just because somebody ministers to one doesn't mean that person was saying minister to you. Anyhow, T.L. Osborne was such a, a blessing in my life. I didn't really hear him until after Dad Hagen uh, went to heaven. And then we had an opportunity to sit in some of his meetings. And um, he said something that really just, he said many things that grabbed my attention. But this one in particular, he said, um, I'm not really impressed when someone tells me how much faith they have in God. He said, I'm not really impressed when someone tells me how much they love God. He said, because you might say today how much you love God and tomorrow curse him. You might say today how much faith you have in God and tomorrow you're just like acting with a bunch of doubt. He said, what actually impresses me is God's faith in God you and God's love to you well that that was quite a statement because that statement actually reveals and opens up the heart of a man who had faith in God that's T.L. Why is that? Well, Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus said, have faith in God. Literally, you could read it. It says, have the faith of God. But my favorite translation says, lay hold of the faithfulness of God. So how is this going to happen? What the Lord stirred in your heart that needs to happen, how will that happen? By you laying hold of the faithfulness of God. How is something supernatural that's not possible with man but, was, but is possible with God, how will it happen? By you grabbing hold of God's faithfulness, that he will never leave you, he'll never turn away from you. You can walk away from him, but he won't walk away from you. Why? Because he's such a good God. So lay hold of the faithfulness of God. Because if you try to say, well, it's because this is going to happen because I'm so faithful to God. What's the scripture in Romans where it says, that's not Romans. When we're faithless, he is faithful. Huh. That kind of draws my attention back to the Lord and not to me. If my attention is on me with that scripture at all, it actually is on the fact that I might miss it. I might be imperfect. Paul said, when you start to see this, you start to see that without him you're nothing. He's like, this doesn't make you weaker, this makes you stronger. He said, actually, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He said, actually, a lot of people, they're going to tell you about how wonderful they are and how many good things they do. He said, what I'm going to tell you is all my mistakes, all my inabilities to produce results. In fact, when I tell you about it, that's, that's where I'm going to say, I'm going to glory in that, he said. 
I'm going to rejoice in that. How in the world can you rejoice in your mistakes? It's just an opportunity to demonstrate that the blessing that you're going to see in my life has absolutely nothing to do with my performance. That the blessing that you see that's coming my way is all because God is good and God is love and he has such a strong passion to provide and to show up and to deliver and to help. Not, not, not well, I was doing good things. Romans 5, 8, I think it is. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not the Lord looked down and saw how devoted we were to helping poor people, or how devoted we were to helping sick people, or how devoted we were to give up. That's not even the right way to say that. I was going to say, to give up every Sunday and, and gather together. If you understand what it is, you're not actually giving up. You're getting such a supply of the Spirit. You get words from heaven. Sometimes the greatest, the, the greatest time to not forsake gathering together, I guess, is in these days in which we live. But also... You know when you're feeling mistreated that the devil is working on you. And so those times when you're like most resistant to gather together are probably some of the most necessary times in your life that you need to be together. Because somebody, not necessarily the person that's up here, somebody in the body is going to yield to the Lord and a word is going to come out of their mouth or a smile on their face or a hug from their arms that's going to break that thing. Set you free. You know, you're in a pulpit ministry. You're not free from this. I don't know if you guys know uh, Patsy Caminetti. Anybody know Patsy Caminetti? So she's a wonderful minister over in Australia. And... Uh, lived with Brother Hagin for a while, and he just really was trained personally by him in a lot of ways. And um, she said one night, she was teaching at the school in Oklahoma, and she said one Wednesday night, she did not want to go to church. She like, I did not want to go. But she's an instructor, so she didn't really have a choice, you know. They're going to know if she's not there. So she shows up. She goes and she sits down and the Lord said, you need to get up and shout and dance. And she's like, I am not doing that. <laughs> that is not the Lord. I don't even want to be here. So the person up at the pulpit says, Patsy, the Lord wants you to do something. <laughs> Oh man, she, she ended up giving in, giving up, 
giving herself over to the Lord. Man, the spirit of, the, of God fell. Such tremendous service. People were delivered. People were changed. And then she's like, Lord, forgive me, right? Well, it doesn't really matter um, who you are. We're all human. And uh, David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Forget not all his benefits. He said that. Probably his soul didn't feel like that, doing that. So how did he overcome that feeling? Well, he didn't overcome it by saying, I don't feel like blessing the Lord. I don't feel like God is even there. I don't feel like it's going to be a good day. He overcame it by saying and commanding his soul his mind, his will, his emotions. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. There's no name like his name. So he overcame his feelings by saying with his mouth. You know, they actually have done studies that you can't actually be thinking one thing and saying another at the same time? I'm not talking like uh, Christian studies. I'm saying like uh, psychological studies, philosophical studies. You, you can't actually, you can't actually uh, be thinking one thing and say something different. You can test it. I'm for the sake of time, I would have you test it, but not, not, not for the sake of time. So if you just make yourself say the right thing, like, bless the Lord, O my soul, or like David said in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my heart, no. Be in my mind, no. I'll continually be emotional about his praise, no. His praise will continually be in my mouth. There's something about your mouth and saying with your mouth. So if you, Psalm 119.168 says, you are good and you do good or you do only good. God is a good God. He's so good he's going to help me finish this up in the next three minutes. <laughs> Putting a demand on the anointing. <laughs> So Joseph, it wasn't because of the faith of Joseph per se. It was because of the goodness of God and the provision of God. And Joseph recognized that and yielded to that and let God do what only God could do. You might get healed that way. You know what happened to me? So like, how long? For two or three years, maybe four years? I had these like uh, warts on my hand. Just kind of annoying. I said, I'm gonna trust the Lord. Well, they got bigger. <laughs> and they multiplied. <laughs> Oh, people started to notice them. 
people give me recommendations. Do you know what? You can get those burnt off. The duct tape. I actually found a thing online, vinegar. So I'd wrap them in vinegar with a, what you call it, you know. I thought, well, that's not exactly like going to the doctor, but I'll just, uh, I'll help out a little bit, you know. <laughs> this like annoying me. People are like, why do you have a Band-Aid? Did you cut your hand? And I'm like, I don't want you to see the wart and be like, what's the what on your hand, you know. <laughs> well, you see, like this was huge right here. This, I don't know if you can't see that, but there was a huge wart right here, but you can't, there's nothing there, right? And then I had like, first I had one there and one here. And then that multiplied, that got bigger, and this became like two or three, and then another one came over here, and it was, and then these got bigger, and so that my whole knuckle was like, I'm like, what in the world? So you know what? About um, nine months ago or something, I just stopped trying to believe. And I just said, Lord, you're just a good God. I'm not going to think anything more about those. I just know that you're the healer. And I'm going to stop looking at my hand. And I'm going to stop feeling my hand. And I know at some point, or not, not I know, I believe at some point, because you're good, I'll just notice those are gone. So about five months ago, this one just left. It was gone. And I was like, and this was still there. And I thought, I got 50% faith. What in the world? <laughs> the same faith that would remove that, the same God, is the same one that would remove those. But you know, was it two weeks ago or something like that? I was doing something, and I was like, I happened to bump my hand, and I was like, huh, that was smooth. I was like, that was smooth. That was smooth. <laughs> so have faith in the goodness of God, that he wants to help you more than you have the desire to be helped, that he wants to provide the answer more than you have the desire to have the answer provided. Jesus is Lord. Stand with me. We have that same spirit of faith. 2 Corinthians 4.13 I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Well, how about this week? Let's all just speak about how good God is. You can find many scriptures about the goodness of God. Just Google goodness of God Bible. And all, all of these scriptures uh, you can find. Or you can do it many other ways. But just, just how about at least once a day, spend about 60 seconds or more, but at least 60 seconds, and thank the Lord for being so good. Instead of all the other things you could say or think, just say, Lord, I don't... I mean, one of the way you can start is, Lord... I feel like everything, life did not turn out, has not turned out the way that I expected. The things that I thought would happen haven't happened. I don't understand this but I refuse to magnify it. I will bless you. I will magnify you. I don't know how it could change. I don't know how it could happen, but I know that you are good. 
And I know these things that have uh, come into my life. I might not be the world's most intelligent, but they're not good. And you are good. So I believe I will see your goodness in the land of the living. In other words, those that are alive on the earth are going to see the goodness of God. And I declare, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And Lord, you're so good. I know that this is just an opportunity. Thank you for this opportunity. I never would have chose it. In fact, I've resisted it and resisted it and resisted it. But being as we're here, Thank you for this opportunity to see you move and to see you do something that no man could do. I choose to trust you. If it ever benefits me or not, I will trust you with everything I am and everything I have with my whole life, with all that you've given me. You are a good God. And I believe that. And I receive that. I am a believer, but I am also a receiver. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you don't know that this morning, uh, whether you're here in the room or online. God is a good God. God loves you. Yes, even you. Yes, especially you. God has a plan for you. God knows you. God loves you. But because he loves you, he will not force you to give your life to him, even though it's so much better for you. Because he loves you, he gives you the choice to reject or to accept. But his will for your life is that you give your life to Jesus you give up your life, and that's the only place you'll ever find it. That's the only place you'll ever find life. He has life for you that's so far beyond life you could produce or your friends could produce or the world could produce. Shouldn't even be in the same sentence. God has a life for you that's out of this world. That you'd be like, this is better than any drug I've ever had and I have it every day. The way you access that, the way you partake of that, the way you eat that is you believe in your heart that God is so good that he sent his only son to die on the cross for you. Or for me is what you would say. I believe you did that, God, for me. I believe this was because you loved me and that you then raised him from the dead so I could forever be free and set free and have freedom and be delivered because of what you did in Jesus and it affects me. And then you just say that with your mouth and you just declare Jesus as Lord. We're going to do that right now. And if you'd like to receive Jesus, you just do that with all of your heart and God will hear your prayer and you will be changed. Say this, say, God, I believe that you are and that you are a rewarder 
and that you love me. And because you love me, that you raised Jesus from the dead, I confess him as my Lord. Jesus, you are my Lord. I receive you. Father God, thank you that you are now my Father and that I am now a part of your family. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.